Peace, family. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Pharaoh Entertainment. We're your host. I'm Horace Pharaoh. It's the God, Donnie Ascended. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Brother Rod, the God, cannot make it this episode. He is not feeling well, so make sure y'all keep him in y'all prayers and in high spirits. Hope he get better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sick of it. But y'all read the title of the episode. You know, we've been gone for a little bit, but we back and we coming straight with the heat. You read the title, Science of the Dogon. This going to be a really, I think this going to be a really solid episode, honestly. Uh, the research in it. The research I did and the correlations to the theories and stuff I have is really good stuff, you know. Same. And well, I, I think, oh, go ahead. I just I was doing some research on it, you know, looking up, watching videos, whatever. And I'm I'm piecing stuff together, and I start realizing I'm like, man, this sounded real familiar to that shit we talked about, you know. What I said a couple months ago, you know, you start putting the putting everything together, and nah, I'm kind of excited about this. So I want to I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah, facts, facts, facts. You know, it's all about, <clears throat> like I say, eat the meat, spit out the bones. So take what you need from this episode and see how you can utilize it to help you benefit yourself, you know, on your journey. Facts. And so, <clears throat> without further ado, let's hop into it, you know what I'm saying? So, I think first, let's kind of give like a, a small history of who the Dogon were, because we're not really here to focus about the history too much, but we're going to here to focus on the science and the metaphysical applications of it, but to, a brief history doesn't hurt at all, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I feel like you need that. You need a little introduction, a little exposition, if you will, Facts. in order to, to build further. So, you know, your Dogons are really, you can just say they're, I think the simplest way is like they're descendants of Kemet, descendants of Egypt, whatever you want to call it. The most important thing to take from that is that they niggas. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> they niggas. So this uh, is nah, they, they right in the middle of it too. Uh, uh, I it? think North Northwest. Yeah, but uh, I think they I then think... they leave. Yeah, that's right. To the north. Yeah, 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 they left. Yeah, they're, yep. they're known to have originally descended from Egypt, but they, I said I think I saw something was like they migrated to Libya. I yeah, Libya. yeah, mm-hmm, of that tip, and I think they left. Yeah. Because of that. Because of the pop, I think they left because them pilgrims was coming to uh, Egypt. Like, uh, dang, what's that man name? Not Julius either. King was it Alexander? Alexander the Great. Yeah, them little them people, them pilgrims. And they was coming <laughs> over there, and I think they was leaving when they saw that influence. And like when the priesthood started getting like the cult of Ra started getting a little uh, corrupt and stuff. Oh so yeah, they, yeah. I know what you're talking about when they started. They started making new guys and even actually, I, we can correlate this to Moon Knight. If you watch Moon Knight on Marvel, you might like a little bit of this. Usually, you would pretty much like this episode. I think you might find some correlations to this actually. But there was always debate on at least like towards archaeologists. At least I don't, I don't have extensive research, so do not quote me. But it's actually something I do plan on researching. That there was always debates on whether Khonshu was an actual deity that the original ancients of Egypt believed in? Right. Or was it a, a deity the, uh, the uh, priesthood came up with? And it's not to say they didn't believe in the moon energy, but I think all the qualities they gave it via the deity Khonshu, that energy they gave into it was not accurate, if almost to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of look, of it, look at it as... I mean, I know it's all man-made at the end of the day, but I feel like if they were able to have originally linked everything that they believed and they experienced, you know, during that time to a certain set of deities, like, I, I feel like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. If if 
if they really thought of the moon in that way. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just, it was like, they believe they believe the moon. They knew that. And I'm mean, don't get it wrong. We know they knew the properties and the energies of the moon. I just think right, the parties right. in which they decided to call it Conchu was not aligned with the original. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, you not hear about Conchu when you read Egyptian, the main Egyptian lores. You know what I'm saying? Facts, facts, facts. That's the only and that's what led to that whole debate whether he was a real deity or not. But no matter where you looking at ancient deities, you always gonna have questions about whether. Even if you look at Mayans, I think they even a lot of people uh, say a Willix wasn't even the original deity. I think they said she was like, and it was like a specific country, which is like modern day. I think just Brazil is where they believed in the Willix, and it wasn't like universal across the Maya. But ain't she a moon god too? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I ain't even thinking about that. It's a common thing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and they but some people say a Willix was she Belanke, but which would make sense with the Baphomet if we're talking about androgynous, if that makes sense. Yo, and that would that was slick hint at I ain't want to get into it yet, but hint at the the duality that I was seeing a lot when it came to this research uh, between a male and female and how it would literally be the same thing. Oh, split between... oh let's go ahead and get in the episode, Dick. So I feel like you already know what we on. And so, you know, I think another reason the Dogon fled was uh, they wanted to, I think the main thing they wanted to avoid the conversion of Islam that was going on in uh, Kemet as well. Really? And by avoiding, you know, by avoiding the pilgrims and the pilgrimites and all the people coming in, they kept their, uh, they kept their tradition alive actually for a very long time. Yeah. And of course, things have changed since, but we're not here to focus on that stuff. Like, you know, some, some Dogon have actually left the tribes and, you know, started actually interacting with the real open world economy and all that. But that's not to take away from what they left behind and what they did for us. You know what I'm saying? Facts, because even look at them now. It's not too many African culture you can see, see it presently being preserved as well as theirs is. You know what I'm saying? Facts. Like, Man. you can go up now, you can see all their paintings and, you know what I'm saying, all they, they art and music. They it, It's so cool, man. Their culture is actually very interesting. And I look at them as the forebearers. Well, I look at all African spirituality as the forebearers for what we call quantum mechanics, but I feel like the Dogon tribe really like put it on the map and in a way for everybody to look at this and be like, y'all, this is yo, this is you. You know what I'm saying? This is all about you. And like I said, the Dogon cosmology believes that every being is a combination of complementary opposites, right? And this is nothing more than the law of polarity. You feel me? Bro, so tell me why I'm doing the research, bro. I swear to God, and I'm looking at the duality between the male and female, and literally in my head, I'm like, bro, this ain't nothing but the laws of Tahuti that we talked about, you know what I'm saying, forever ago. Right. Like, it's crazy. And first off, if you ain't listening to the three, the seven episodes of the law of Tahuti, which a lot of y'all didn't, y'all was listening to the law of gender episode because y'all still in that human shit. Y'all wanting to hear some little reckless talk, I can tell. <laughs> but y'all should definitely check out that. Definitely check out the law of polarity. It's one of the shorter episodes because the message is so clear-cut and simple. You don't have to think too much about it. So the Dogon, in their cosmology, they emphasize the fact that every being is a combination of these complementary opposites, right? 
Right. You are two things. You are the positive, you are the negative. You are Horus, you are set. Everything, and that is where how you create Amun, that third eye, that pineal gland. You, Yo, you know what I'm saying? And, and peep this, bro. What I was looking at, bro, I was looking at the original, uh, kind of like the original mythology. Like, you know right. how in, in Greek culture, they got the, the story of Zeus, Poseidon, Hades, you know, the 12 guys fighting Kronos, you know, yada, 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 whatever. I was looking at kind of the mythology for the Dogon tribe, right? And it was saying how there was a creator god. The name was Amma. Yep. And mm-hmm. how, long story short, he created seven pairs of twins, right? And that from these seven pairs of twins, you know, came the universe, you know, earth, humans, animals, all that other shit, right? But peep out, it's seven pairs of twins that can be exactly mapped to the seven laws of Tahuti, mm. right? Both dealing with the property of duality, essentially. And the, and the twins, and the twins, each was, I'm pretty sure, was, was male, one male, one female. Like the first twins, it was the first male, and his his female twin never got born, so she fell off his birth sack, or whatever you want to call it, and she became Earth. So mm. that's you know how they get Earth from in, in their mythos. And I like what you mentioned about the seven strings, or I mean, oh, oh I kind of jumped where I was going, the seven twins, because that's going to lead to something that I'm going to touch much later that I got in my notes about, like, their universe. Did you read about, like, the eggs they be having and then yeah, the seven yeah. strings and the seven strings? Yeah, we're going to get to that. And I'm going to relate that to, to science, uh, string theory when you're talking about physics. But, um, yeah, that's exactly they had Alma, and Alma was really... It's their, it was it was seen as their hidden god. So, I, I, AKA, this is your pineal gland, your third eye. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. Amma was considered a godless, uh, not my god, a genderless deity that represented and created matter and everything, right? So, this is AKA the Baphomet. This is AKA you, AKA your pineal gland. Amun. You see what I'm saying? Right. That's all Amma ever was. And it's seen, it's, it's basically said it was so hidden. It's hidden from you. So not only does it represent your pineal gland, it really represents ultimately, I believe, is your subconscious. And, and what's crazy, my research for the Dogon tribe could be summed up, you know, their, their thoughts on creation could be summed up in three simple bullet points. Um, it was, I forgot the, the name of the guy. I think it was Professor Scranton, but he made this incredible point. He was saying pretty much all they were interested in was or what they talked about mostly dealt with how matter forms, how the universe forms, and how biological reproduction process happens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had like things on the on their on their caves like depicting mitosis and meiosis, right? And yeah, exactly. Like he, he was saying how a lot of people think it was just the stars, but they were actually Things like sci- scientific processes that they wrote about on their walls. that As above, as below, because you see stars separate in the same way as you can do, or at least, right, or, I'm right. not going to say just star, maybe like nebulae as well, doing the same thing as cells doing mitosis and meiosis. Facts, facts. And, you know, your your previous point is, is pretty much, that's what biological reproduction, right? Uh, when it comes to just the, the male and female. We're talking about our subconscious. One of the things we always talk about is is manifestation, how much our thoughts 
correspond to our physical world, right? That's mm -hmm. how matter forms, right? That's already two out of the three. The first, the story itself is how the universe forms, right? So you pretty much got the entirety of, of life itself being mapped simply from, from what you think is simply stars. Right, literally, because it's as above, so below. These seven, the seven, I feel like even if we could be real, this whole podcast could be split into seven episodes and never touched again. <laughs> we could really do this, the logic to Hootie, and that's all we could leave and we could disappear. Because that's everything you want to know and need to know is represented through the law of Tahuti, all the way from the law of mentalism down to the law of gender. Everything we've touched in this podcast is the derivative of that, expressing that. Everything we talk about subconscious mind control and mind control in general is because they understood, or what you want to call your enemies or your oppressors, whatever you call them, the pilgrims, they understand the law of mentalism. They understand your law of Tahuti. You know what I'm saying? Right. And like, but what we said, you know, like I said, as you said, as you pretty much just said, everything they have was this data that was quantifiable that they saw on walls. And when we talk about armor, I feel like we're talking about the subconscious. And I want to focus on specifically their science of the cosmos and what they understood, because what they understood is... What you what you call their religion was just quantum was just proved as quantum mechanics and quantum mechanics is a derivative of spirituality. There is no such thing as coincidences. The only thing there is known as is synchronicity. There is no chance that every culture, every majority of the ancient cultures of any way African descent all had the same things, just with different names for their deities. Same way as you had not even just African, not even yeah. just African. Like look at the Buddhist culture. Yeah, same thing. Said the same thing. Yeah, everybody came from the Africa thing. The Africa thing. I ain't even gonna say Africa. The world. It was all these ancient cultures from the Buddha down Dude, to the, the, the Mayans. They the Mayans, they, the Mayans they said had, they got their knowledge from the the stars. The Mayans had uh, same thing as we talk about horse and set. They had Cuckoo and Retzacuado. Those were just, they looked exactly the same. Retzacuado was just the opposite version of Cuckoo Both dragons. Right. 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 It's it's all it is it's it's not even nothing is different. It's all the same story. Sure it's minute details that might change based on geography, but it's it's all allegory at the end of the day. And so when we talk about quantum mechanics being a derivative of spirituality, you have to stop looking at these things as you can start you, you can look you need to look at them interchangeably. Read the quantum mechanics like it's the Bible then. Read spirituality like you read in a, a science paper, and you will find these correlations between how they know they're one and the same. You know yeah, what I'm saying? A great way to look at it. Did you, you read? Be, be objective in your 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 uh, assumptions about what you're reading. Like, be objective in how you apply it, and you'll start to see the, the similarities between the two. And I'm gonna prove how this mindset works when we get to when I start when we get later into the, more deeper into the lore of their mythology. And I started talk, relating to things to like string theory and physics, right? And so, after, like I said, uh, basically, they had extrapolated information from the Sirius star system in regards to, I think, is it the fifth? No, the fifty. Is either the? I think it's the fifty-year or the sixty-year orbit of Sirius B. I think it was the. 50 it's a fifty-year orbit. Uh, but they celebrate it every sixty years. Yeah, that's the Ziggy. That's the Ziggy. We are gonna get into that too. But 
I, I forget because you know you got series A, B, and C, and I always I was get I remember getting myself constantly confused over which stars when I was doing all yeah. my research and downloads. But I know everything they was regarding, all the information they extrapolated from this basically the orbiting path of series B, right? right. And this is all to correlate to Sirius being our home. And before we get deeper into this, I'm going to tell, because I don't want people just thinking like, oh, where you get, of course, people want to know where you get this information from. Uh, I suggest reading The Serious Mystery. Uh, it's, called, it's by Robert something. I'm Actually, I can get the book in a second. I might just go get the book while I'm recording. But <laughs> let me go find it real quick. But the book is called Serious Mystery, and it is an extrapolated understanding of someone who went and read all the documents from that of the Dogon tribe, right? And he went and found documents from the late 1800s from a group of, I think, French. French. Yeah, uh, yeah they did. Right with the, the French. The yeah, it's by Robert Temple. Robert Temple. It's called oh, that, Serious that Mystery. It rings a bell. Yeah. Say what? Say so the name actually rings a bell. I saw his name in an article somewhere. Yeah, and he revised the book actually because he discoveries he or let me say we could just call them theories he proposed in the book when he wrote it in the early night i said like mid 1900s were then confirmed by nasa 30 years later so he didn't revise the book and talked about how they claimed it 30 years later but what robert temple did because uh, even when we talk about how this information came from the dogon to i guess you can say modern day society you have to also look at how they tell you it was a group of people who came like in the what the 1900s and did research with him on them, but it turns out it was a group of French. I don't remember if it was. I don't remember if it was astronomers. It was a group of French people that did this in the in the late 1800s, actually, and had the first information on the Dogon when they were still uh, pretty much untouched by the Pilgrims. You know what I'm saying? But to keep it moving, it must be noted noted that the depiction that the, well, first as I was saying. In relation to Sirius, let me not make that point. They were saying how Sirius B is our home. And it's funny enough that this galaxy, I think it's in the Orion belt too, correct? Sirius, the Sirius solar system. I think it's known, it's it's like the ninth brightest star, I think, in the the night sky, correct? Don't quote me, but I think it's the ninth brightest star. I thought Sirius A was the brightest. It's It's either one is the brightest or one is the ninth brightest. I, I just don't. It, I, I think it might be A is brightest and B is ninth brightest. Yeah, which one of them is definitely the ninth brightest, and I think that relates to us also being nine ether beings. But uh, I remember reading about how the Sirius solar system contains some of the most carbon in the universe, if not just our solar system, and how this was the forefront of the universal understanding of what melanin was, because melanin is nothing but carbon. It's just 666. You know what I'm saying? That's literally what carbon is, and that's exactly what melanin is. So it was understood, or it was believed, let's just say theorized for the sake of content, that we came from this place, right? And it just so happened that, remember, the Dogon were pointing at the specific star that was hidden in the Sirius uh, solar system that could not be seen, you remember? Oh, yeah. And they was NASA was trying to understand how they knew this star was even there when they didn't even know. We're going to get into that, too, because everything around that was some nonsense, too, how they treated it in relation. But 
that relation to how serious could, if not is, our home, though I do firmly believe it's one of our homes. But like I said, it must be note denoted that the depiction of the universe to the Dogon was formless, right? It was, and they said if it was to be rendered as an image, it would be uh, Hama's egg. I think that's what it was called, Hama's egg or Homa's egg. I think it was Hama. Yeah. And Hama in the Dogon uh, mythology was their god of another one of their gods of creation and matter right and her egg represented the femininity of the universe and this i think is the best way when we talk about the law of gender you got to stop thinking about when we say gender we're thinking about sex as in dicks and coochies that's not law of gender gender when we talk about gender, we talk about divine, masculine, and feminine. And I think, I, honestly, I feel like in this day and age, that word, those words get thrown around so many times. Everybody's working on the divine, feminine, not saying they're not, but it's more detailed than just being a woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or being a man. It goes way deeper. You have to understand that when we're talking about the femininity of the universe, we're talking about the whole process of the universe being able to produce you know what I'm saying? The universe being a conduit for birth from stars to galaxies, etc. It's birthing from the universe, right? Yeah, it's, you got, you got the, the human human mindscape. And since the egg represents the femininity of the universe, I think uh, it's safe to say that it resembles I think they said it resembles that of the Big Bang Theory. Because it uh, contains like all the knowledge of the past and the future universe slash universes. And they said on top of that, it even, if when it rendered into an image, it took a cone like shape, right? Hmm. And I don't remember if I wrote something down on that. I will look in a minute. But, oh, oh, never mind. Not, they said it took a, uh, not, I'm not going to say a cone like shape. They said it took a shape. Basically, that is the same shape of the event horizon of a black hole. Yeah. Oh, that's far. Right? And if you ever see CGI images, if not, just find a real image. If you look at the event horizon of, uh, it makes sense, right? If you look at the event horizon of a black hole, if you just take everything else and look at the event horizon, it looks like an egg. Like a sideways egg, you know what I'm talking about? If not, actors yeah. do like a straight edge. It's a little more wider, a little more oblique. You, the way you look at it, like if you look at it from the top, it actually just looks like an egg. You're right, right. That's what I'm saying. And that's how that's how the Dogon deformed defined the universe. That's how when, when they showed their pictures, it was seen as an egg. Right? That's your question right there. What came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Why do you think the question is so age old? This is the real question. This is the this is the question about the universe. This ain't about no animal. <laughs> right? They just had to bring it to a, a representation for you to be able to understand it. And on top of that, they had, since we talked about the formation of the universe and the egg, we can talk about how they even view, they had knowledge of atoms before whatever scientists in Europe said he discovered atoms. They just used different names. Remember, I think they said, they called them poles, right? Right? And they said the pole, the pole was pretty much your atoms because they were the smallest things. And they pretty much, they the Dogon and they, they stories, they described them as seeds. Oh, okay. See, I, I, my story that I was reading, it definitely talked a lot about seeds. Like how every <laughs> twin had seeds. And yep. I ain't, bro, that, that now it makes sense. 
and they said the seeds are uh pretty much the protons, the electrons, and etc. Right? Oh, what the fuck? And so when they drew these quote unquote seeds, these seeds replicated the exact same things as orbital diagrams of electrons. Now, if you've ever taken chemistry and had to do them electron, you know what I'm talking about? The uh, uh, orbital electron diagrams. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. With the arrows and the, uh, the yeah. circles, and you do the, you do the diagram around the atom. They yeah. this their exact images were that of atoms. If not, we can even go to say theirs were probably more accurate than what we have today because the images we have are still CGI based upon what we think we understand, right? Facts. And they described them as seeds, right? And of course, seed was an analogy, but they they had they they rep the seeds putting these same things or in patterns similar to that of orbital diagrams of electrons, right? That's actually nuts. And on top of that, this is just as like uh, quantum mechanics pretty much states that uh, our universe is made of 200 primordial forces. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I had to read that in my notes to make sure I read that right. So it said, I think they said quantum mechanics pretty much states that, uh, or just quantum theory in general states that the universe is made of over 200 primordial forces. Don't and, they call it like the primordial soup? Uh, was that what it's called in the mythos? I mean, I think I just I think they just call it like that, you know, kind of like physics jargon. It's just like nah, a primordial, man, primordial suit. Like, like it's just a bunch of shit in there that's primordial. <laughs> yeah, and they said it was two hundred primordial forces. And I think the Dogon themselves as well had this uh, established, and I mean they established this pretty much it seeds right. And they said each one of these primordial forces have polar opposites. Right? Mm -hmm. And what this pretty much uh, emphasized was that these seeds are products of vibrations of the... Hold on. All right. I just want to get everybody ready because we're about to go into some deep <laughs> physics talk for a second because it's about to come up. So pretty much these... Uh, when we go back into the lore, we're pretty much going into string theory now. And these seeds are pretty much the products of the vibrations of these primordial threads, which in physics we call string theory, right? So let me go ahead and let me find the exact definition of string theory so anyone who feels confused or left out can understand what we're talking about. So, so in physics, so this pretty much saying how nothing or immaterial can become material. Right, because if you're talking about just primordial primordial forces, right? That's think about it in a three D stand. That's like you, gravity, right? Right, and you know what I'm saying. You can't see a force, right? But if you see forces, and they create something material, essentially to a, a human understanding, that's creating something out of thin air. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we can go into. I don't want to go too deep into like gravitational waves and how those actually pull time. So then. You can question does time affect gravity if gravity affects time and so on and so on. But yeah, pretty much what you said, you know, I mean, I'm giving them the straight definition, but in physics, string theory is a theoretical framework in which the point light particles of particle physics are replaced by one dimensional objects called strings. So in relation to what the Dogon were telling us was that these one dimensional particles were the seeds, right? Or the threads of your existence. And 
the string theory describes how strings propagate through space and time interact with each other. So you're pretty much essentially understanding how these primordial forces in this primordial suit interact, how grab, and this makes perfect sense. And we just talked about gravitational waves, how time affects gravity and gravity affects time, right? So then you can, so then if you watch, didn't we do an episode we talked about, uh, what episode was that we talked about, Interstellar? That was like the last episode. What episode before? No, nah, that was the AI episode. Whatever, whatever episode we did before this. Oh, the Tachyon episode. That's right. That's oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you if you struggle with the Tachyon episode, you might want to listen to this, then go back to that, then make sure to watch Interstellar because since we're talking about string theory and everything, it might actually make more sense to you, right? And so, the seeds are the products of these vibrations of these primordial threads, right? And this is where it goes back to what you said in the beginning of the episode with the seven pairs. So, in the story, they said these threads pass through seven vibrations within an egg. Each one was an egg. So, each one of these eggs was a chakra, if you think of it like that, since there's seven of them. Bruh. Yo. Right? When I was when I was reading the story, it literally started off, it said the egg, there, there was an egg at the beginning of, you know, creation or whatever, and it vibrated seven times. Right. And that's where everything came from. And these your seven chakras, right? And that relates to the one string. This okay, so that let's just think of it. We might be this might be a little theoretical, but I think we still have the same point. So what if you say what's the one you said fell to earth? That one string is that egg that then layered itself into those seven strings. That now you got the seven chakras, right? And remember this the chakras, though they are useful, they keep you here on this earthly plane, right? You're, yeah, you're supposed yeah. to use the chakras, but you don't master the chakras to be a god on earth. That defeats the purpose of being a god if you're still on earth, right? You use the seven chakras to liberate you from earth. What is a god if you just rule in one place? That doesn't make you a god. You're just a ruler, a king. No difference, right? <laughs> a god doesn't have limitations. A god is merely just the title. That's what it's for. Right. I would say a chakra system is something that's inherently human. Exactly. Even though, even though it, I feel like it can be a link, I feel like it's just not a uh, not really it's not a direct the end goal. It's not the end goal, like, you know yeah. yeah, it's not the end goal of the human experience. It's more like the gateway to the next step. And so they describe these seven. Uh, trying to make sure I got. It. They describe in ways of like. Uh, okay. Yeah. So then they did they then after the after I make the correlation between the chakras, the Lord then describes these seven rays as of a star, right? They okay, yeah. They they then describe them as seven rays of a star. The seven uh, vibrations. Mm -hmm. So this is just simply referring to light, right? So truly so what this really means is truly understanding your chakras open up your okay, your body to the most light. You see what I'm saying? If the seven rays that vibrated from this egg were all considered the seven rays of a star, so if we're talking about a chakra, what does a star emit? Light. So you opening up your seven chakras, it gives you access to the most light, aka the most knowledge, right? Since light is information. Wow. That's crazy. That how they really came full circle. And so, in the myth, I think the last ray glow grows <clears throat> long enough to go through the egg, which then destroys the new egg, 
and leaves about a new one. And I believe that the last ray is representative of the crown chakra. Like breaking through to the next step? Exactly. Because once you hit, essentially what the goal is, once you hit the last chakra, you at that point, you you, you should have mastered breaking kundalini. You kill that's just your old self. That's the human. Now you God. You see what I'm saying? After you kill your, after you kill the human self, now what's left after that? The soul, the God, the light body, right? Right. And I think it's funny because when we talk about this cosmology of NASA, I think, uh, I, I mean, I said cosmology of NASA, my fault. <laughs> I said cosmology of the Dogon. I remember NASA had, uh, it was even a whole video on this about how NASA it was the most ridiculous thing I ever seen. So it was about like NASA scientists as they were studying Dogon tribe, right? And yeah. this is after they realized that the Dogon had accurately pinpointed the hidden star in the sol- the uh, solar system of the Sirius solar system. And I believe it was like in the video, one NASA scientist literally says there's only three. He said there's only three things that could have happened that could, uh, explain how the Dogon knew it. He said either they were visited by other people. Ah, man. I wanted to make sure I have all three correct, but he said, uh, they pretty much said they was either, uh, either they was visited by people, they had access to technology that they're not aware of, or mere coincidence. The dude then went on to say, he's a pilgrim, of course. They then went on, he then went on to say, he said, me being a uh, professional astrologist says I believe the answer is coincidence nah which only goes to show the uh, extremes to which I think this was probably around the 90s if not the 80s which still doesn't change anything but I will I will believe the second option before I believe it was coincidence but I could I could see them you know stumbling across some ancient or alien technology on accident you know what I'm saying? Or maybe some we got and just happening to, to do it. But coincidence? Nah. I mean, it's, it's I'm not going to say ridiculous. Nah, it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, at this point, we know I'm not, I'm not one necessary. When I talk about aliens, I don't really think they're aliens is how they want you to view them. I think if they're so-called aliens, they're simply just us. And the Dogon tribe very vividly depicts and explains because most of the or uh, uh, Dogon stuff is related to oral tradition, and they vividly depict through their words how they specifically talk about Sirius, about being visited by people of Sirius, mm-hmm. who gave them access to the knowledge, and I, it might be in these later notes when we get later to almost finish with this episode. No, they said they was visited by the uh, the Nomos, the Nomos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go, in, go into that, go into that, go into that, go into that. So pretty much, um, remember them twins I mentioned from earlier? Right. The the first set of twins from Amma was the uh the one dude who became like the rogue tricks or whatever, and then the second was the earth. But the second pair of twins was the Nomos, is N-O-M-O-M-M-O-S. Um I might not be pronouncing that correctly, so forgive me if I'm wrong. But pretty much, um, the Nomos, they were like, they were seen as half human, half reptilian creatures, right? Like, 
uh, top half human, bottom half human. Uh, and, and mind you, this is all from you know mythology, so you know interpret it as you will. Um, but they were seen as pretty much everything that was good, matter of fact, everything that represented creation, I believe. Matter of fact, let me pull it back up. I mean, as I'm hearing mm-hmm. it now, it kind of reminds me of what we talked about in the Eternals Decoded. Like I said, every mythology you have this, you have this creation and you have this chaos. Remember how, like, in Eternals, you had Tiamat, who was creation, and she had a brother, a twin. Who represented chaos and he didn't like the idea. No, he, and he no, he was nothing. He worked, he was the god of nothingness, and I think he became chaos as a result of Tiamat being the god, the creator. I mean, the, the god of creation, the goddess of creation. Yo, it, it so look, it says the second set of twins that I'm made, they were creator spirits called Nomo, um, and they represented all the twin things of the universe. So Male, female, order, disorder, high, low, good, evil, right? Pretty much all laws of Tahuti, right? It said right. their upper bodies are human, lower bodies like snakes. Um, and get this, it says they saw earth from the sky, right? And they were sad that the earth looked so disordered and naked. So they collected many cosmic fibers, right? What, what, what could you say a fiber looks like? string right uh-huh and it says they collected many cosmic fibers that were full of life forces and went down and earth and clothed the earth in green as if she were a woman so it's, it's literally the these cosmic fibers were the first words ever to be known in the world like that's crazy this this is mythology yes but this is essentially saying how creation itself like everything came from these forces that you were just talking about you know the string theory right how these forces right. created these strings uh quote unquote um these fibers if you will that essentially created the matter that we see here on earth right and what you also emphasize is like remember in the mythology you keep hearing egg you keep hearing womb the femininity of the universe of the planet because the planet is a birth it's a Facts. And, you know, this also, like, like I said, the fact that I think people also need to understand that the fact that it took decades of your tax money, whether NASA is going to admit they use taxes or not, even though NASA is a, you spends billions a day just to put a satellite in the, in the sky. They spent billions of your tax dollars to, op, to observe something that was already here for thousands of years. The answer was already here, right? <laughs> And for example, let's now we can go into the Ziggy, right? For example, it was like I think it's just that every sixty years the Dogon. This is this is a trial. This is a, a ritual that the Dogon take very seriously. I mean, most of the I think what's they call Hogans. That's the uh, spiritualist of a uh, in the Dogon tribe. So most Hogans only live to see this one time, but they spend their whole life after that first time prepping for the next one. And you have people that are keeping track of the time and the date 24-7, the lead elders 24-7 for this one event known as the Ziggy, right? What? And so I think they, they, they track it through, like, tying knots on a rope to make sure they're always, like, on time and everything. And the group elders constantly meet up with each other. 
I don't I don't know how often, but I know they constantly meet up with each other because the elders' sole goal is to make to preserve the event known as the Ziggy. And it's also seen as like it's like the most memorable day. Like I think it was one Hogan when I was watching the video, he said I think he said he he was like 120, so that means he probably seen two, but or only probably remembers one, but he vividly describes like remembering he said the Hogan was probably the best day of his life, right? <laughs> Yo, it's, it's the sad. highlight of their life. It literally says their religious life is heightened, right? And it says it occurs when the serious star appears between two mountain peaks. It's like they, they the men go into seclusion for months and they talk in the secret language and everything. It's crazy. And I remember, so yeah, yeah. And so I remember they said they do this dance called the Ziggy, which is say a ritual every 60 years. And it, the Ziggy, uh, correlates directly to the Sirius star system for this thing known as the sacred star, right? Right. And on Earth, when like the sacred star and Sirius are aligned, it proves not only that it was, uh, this also proves in NASA that it was not only the smallest star, but it also proved that this star was at the center of the universe. All right. Oh. Really? Okay. And, okay. and that the star not only is the center of the universe, but it moves the universe. And I'm referring to Sirius B right now. And some people also uh refer to Sirius as the dog star. So if you ever heard yeah. you know, shout out to AA Rashid, he never truly understand it. So I researched the Dogon. He would call he would call his albums Dog Star Hip Hop, or he'd be like, This is Dog Star Hip Hop. And you know, God, dog was basically like a spell for the word God, God star. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, literally, God spelled backwards. And I probably, right. I realized like Dogon is the root word is dog. Right. Mm-hmm. And they just referring to God. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because you ain't gonna realize you God till you don't been you you hit your lower self. You don't have to be the dog. See God. <laughs> it's kind of crazy though, that their name backwards means no God. Right? You see what I'm saying? No God. You are God. Remember, in the mythology, they do not look up to the deities. They look up to the star. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> the Ziggy is not wow. about the deities. Most religions, you see them worship the deities. They do not worship the deity. They worship the star. That's facts. That's, that's the facts. Right? The of the universe. Is they use the stars as a way to, like, you know, maybe map their deities or, or you know, because they also understand. But right, it's, not, deities, it's not the actual deity itself up there. The deity, yeah, the deity itself is just the energy. The energy. I feel like anytime we're talking about deity, we're just talking about energies that you are able to tra- tap into and use. Sure, there are differences that make each energy different. That's where there's so many of them. But it's not affect the way you could tap into them and the way you can utilize them, right? It's no different than when we talk about Kali being on Earth and Kali on the cosmic sense. How Kali on the cosmic sense is no different than what they show you in Marvel movies being the Phoenix Force. But when Kali on Earth, she cutting off your head. You feel me? <laughs> and okay, actually, I even found uh, the three options that the uh, I looked at my notes. I found the three things that NASA had actually said. They said that they believed that the Dogon had supernatural abilities. They said it was either coincidence or they revisited. 
And those were the three options they believe was how the Dogon were able to map this star that they've never even knew existed and it happened to be at the center of the universe. Instead, it's mere coincidence, right? We know that there's no such thing as coincidence. <laughs> there's only things I mean, known as synchronicity. I just feel like me personally, what, what makes it so far-fetched of an idea that you'd rather believe that, oh, this just happened? I mean, even if even under the idea that they do understand, they won't truly admit it. Like I said, I think uh, what should be... I think The Serious Mystery by Robert Temple is probably the most key, and the book known as The Science of the Dogon. That's a really great book to help analyze... Uh, everything they knew and understood in relation to their images. But the book originally was published in 1976 and everyone went crazy because it was like, oh man, what? It pretty much started like a whole campaign about like uh, intelligent life visiting Earth. Of course, that was the main premise that he was exclaiming in the book, but it wasn't really, of course, it wasn't having an occultist understanding of it being energies and people, you know what I'm saying? Right. Of it, but it was still the, just the idea that how are these people that we've never seen been able to map it and I can go into so much detail about like how uh, they had a scheme of like the great conjunctions of Saturn and Jupiter and how they leaked through the eighth sign and the transit and the triple zodiac so in depth of what they had information of and knowledge of that is still the type of stuff it's still the information that we use to create everything today yeah, like I was reading, you know, saying how they they were st- also talking about how Jupiter, you know, had four major moons before we even discovered the moons of Jupiter. They were talking about how Saturn had rings, how they were using Venus to map, you know, their location and stuff. When modern scientists didn't even know Venus was a planet until, you know, saying like the 1800s, 1900s, something like that. Exactly. And like at the end of the day, the pilgrims ain't gonna tell you that it was you who was able to do this. They would rather tell you it's all by chance, right? And spirit, I mean, the technology of the pilgrims or just technology is their way of just trying to lower your spiritual awareness and spiritual energy. But you as a spiritual being and as a God, you have it in your genetic memory bank. You can tap into this information. It clicks to you because it, it your subconscious, when you hear things that resonate with you and you're drawn to it, that is your subconscious answering the call, telling you to investigate it more. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like when you read something ancient and you're like, nah, it's something more to this. That's not you. That's not you on a conscious level because your ego just wants to survive. Ego is going to do whatever it got to do to survive, but your subconscious is already put back and it's been calcified through all the mind control through the food through everything you don't experience so when you get those those surgeons that's telling you to go into it it's your subconscious trying to wake itself up but now also the ego feels like if that happens it will not be able to survive the way it wants to survive not to say the ego is bad the ego is definitely a tool that must be utilized if you know how to use it the main goal is to survive right and it will do whatever it has to do to survive, but your subconscious is telling you the information is needed 
That's why it resonates with you so much. That's why you probably here listening. Or not. You could just be a troll, you know what I'm saying? But I doubt it. <laughs> Even if so, appreciation for the quicks. I feel like we we covered a lot of I think this is like the ultimate summary of the Dogon tribe, but there is so much information about it. Oh, there's a lot that we could definitely go further into. Like you you honestly make me want to go even deeper into the research. Yeah, like I said, uh, I feel like the science. If you, I feel like these are really the only main two books. There's a lot of videos on it. There's a few people who interview the actual Dogon tribe as well. Uh, I would recommend those videos because you can tell the Dogon tribe is not used to being on camera. And I'm not gonna say not used to it. But they're not gonna give you everything all the free game. You feel me? <laughs> but definitely, uh, it's all allegory. They knew what they was talking about. They knew what they saw. It's oral tradition. It was funny enough about the oral tradition is that the oral tradition that they talk about today is still very similar to what they said. You know how oral traditions truly uh, change drastically. For example, a great one is the story of Cinderella. There's like a thousand different stories of Cinderella, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think the first one was written like in the Babylonian era. And now it's like, got, you know, it's like telephone. You know what I'm saying? The original get tweaked a little bit every time somebody else exactly. tell the story. Exactly. And some places in the Raleigh get eat like a giant piranha and all types of stuff. So, but what's funny enough with the Dogon tribe is that the oral tradition has stayed relatively as good as you can get concrete to what they were saying back then. It's still pretty concrete and very little difference. It's very minute, right? Mm-hmm. We should tell you that the practice and oral tradition was very sacred, and it shows how close knit their the Dogon tribe was, how important it was to keep that stuff. Of course, it's dwindling now. There's still, you know, people are finally leaving the tribe or going into the world economy, as you can, if you want to express it that way. But everything they do is still related to the Ziggy. They live for this moment because it's. I don't even know how to describe it. It sounds like something I want to experience myself. Right? Mm-hmm. Getting that motherfucker star, getting it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> getting that motherfucker star, naming it in that bitch. <laughs> but I encourage everyone to do more research and see how you can use this information to benefit you. Because all the Dogon tribe was telling you was to look within yourself. Sure they, sure, they were saying to physically look to the stars, but. <laughs> Nah, this is, this is really what I'm taking for it myself. Look know? to the stars and you will find yourself is essentially what they were saying, yeah. as above, so below. Not even just that, you know, also everything you need is within yourself, right? It's like, right. you know, doubting yourself, don't need to doubt yourself. Don't, don't need to worry, don't need all the extra stress, all the extra tension and shit. Just do you, man, be straight. So on that note, we're going to go ahead and close this episode out, you know what I'm saying? For sure. Oh, so damn. I guess I got to do the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, from men to kings and from kings to gods. This has been Fresh Fair Entertainment. Peace, family. Farewell. Oh,